He's from the north. She's from the south. And we want to know what's in your mouth. Oh. Hello, 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 and welcome to In Yo Mouth. I am your bang, bang, shrimp taco, your hostess with the mostest, Munoz, and sitting next to me is the center of my pork universe, my best gal pal, Marie. Hey, girl. Hi. Hi. So I debated <laughs> whether or not to do a funny intro because of today's topic, mm. but... I truly believe in my heart of hearts that it would have been a disservice That's true. to the man. I think we'd be he'd be right on board with <laughs> with keeping it keeping keep it, it silly. Keeping, keeping it, it ridiculous, keeping it real. On brand. On brand. Oh, and just well. keeping it like just over the top and ridiculous. That's true. Yes. This this one's for Anthony Bourdain. You oh, cunt. You. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. Oh. Oh, oh, man. I'm going to cry already. I don't know. <laughs> no, no. Ladies oh, and gentlemen, no. today we <sighs> have put everything on hold, all plans, all future podcasts. <laughs> I threw my phone in the Hudson. <laughs> We're just doing it. Right? To to pour one out. Or you know what? Mm-hmm. To open one up yes. for Anthony Bourdain. Mm-hmm. This We're, one is for you. Mm-hmm, drinking sir. a nice cheap beer in your honor. Because mm. it wouldn't be for it. Mm. I love an afternoon beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Me too. You want to shotgun it? No. <laughs> Bourdain would like that too. <laughs> when was the last time you shotgunned a beer? Oh my God. It has to be at least 20 years. Really? Yes. Oh. Oh my God. Last year. No. Nope. <laughs> 2017. I couldn't even tell you how to shotgun a beer. <laughs> but... We thought it would it was really necessary to put everything on hold and kind of uh, change our schedule around because of recent events and the passing of someone major in the food world mm-hmm. um, of a huge love of Marie's. We know how mm-hmm. obsessed Marie was. Um, <laughs> Just a wee bit. Seen every single show. I've read his books. You know, yeah, I'm not and, that deep into it. But well, because of this, I actually had no idea he was a he wrote. Three crime novels, too. Yeah, I, I found that out because of you. You're actually probably going to give me somewhat of an education Well, I didn't today. know that before all this research that we did. I didn't you know. know. Now I have those books to read, too. But, yes, yeah, so, so. Just on a, just a little background, mm-hmm. you know, on Friday, June 8th, the, the celebrated chef, storyteller, and personal hero of ours died by suicide. Mm. Guys, if you are out there and you are hurting and you need somebody, and you don't know where to go, Yeah, pick up the phone. You know what? Call us. Yeah, tweet us at In Your Mouth. <laughs> well, I mean, Pod. we'll respond. We will. We will respond, and all throughout, we'll keep um, giving you the suicide hotline because there is no no reason. Yeah. There is help out there for you. Well, I think the most amazing thing about with Anthony Bourdain is that it did appear that he had it all. And the same thing with Kate Spade, who who um, committed suicide earlier I mean, in the same week. By the same way, they they both hung themselves. Anthony Bourdain was in a beautiful medieval town in in northern France, and he was staying at this luxury hotel, and he hung himself with his bathrobe belt, which like I just cannot fathom. I can't fathom. And I was even fathom. I was I was diving deep last night, and I was looking up this town that he was in. 
um, Kaiserberg, 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 France. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look it up, guys. Yep. It's this very quaint medieval town, and I just can't imagine being in like the cycle of depression that he must have been in in this old, like German. It was very German mm-hmm. medieval town. Very gothic, like very. I don't know. I mean, but so we've seen, but we've seen this before with uh, Robin Williams, mm-hmm. and I told you I'd give you the suicide hotline number. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. That number again is eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. There is Thank help you. out there mm-hmm. for you. Just know that you're not alone. I think that that's the thing with suicide, which uh, you know. We all have highs and we all have lows. And I think, I honestly think that there's probably not a person out there that hasn't thought of that maybe, or, or at least like because of what's happening, they say, um, that there's all, there's going to be all these copycat suicides now, uh, especially now that it's like Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain suicides rates are going to be up 10%. Even just, um, it's said like, we're, we're at a risk. Everyone's at a risk now because even if you have these types of uh, feelings about suicide, something like this can spark so many more. So after Robin Williams, there was a huge spike in yeah, suicides. Uh, apparently, according to Democracy Now!, um, 123 deaths a day inside the public health crisis of rising suicide rates in the United States. Mm. Did you know That's that more... Insane. more That's f- insane. More policemen, more firemen... More men in combat die of suicide other than... Well, I just don't think, like, they... That's a different story, especially men in combat, because here in this country, we do not take take care care of our service people as well as we should. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why Fleet Week is so important to me here. Not because I want to sleep with all the sailors... (laughs) But because, and I was explaining this to Travis, actually, Mm -hmm. the um, half tan guy. Yes, when Fleet Week started, that it's really, really important because I didn't choose to do that. Mm -hmm. You didn't choose to do that. Mm -hmm. They chose to go out there, and they don't know if they're coming home or not. Right. They don't know what what they're doing day to day, and all of a sudden they come here for a weekend. Mm -hmm. So yeah, let me buy you the drink. Let me buy you a hot dog off the. Let me stop you and say thank you for our service because you're doing something I didn't choose to do. You are protecting my freedom, my rights Mm -hmm. to be out and proud and loud and screaming and queening out all over the place (laughs) and half naked on a float if I wanted to be, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. So. I was so sad I was out of town for Fleet Week. I was out of town for Fleet Week, too. I bet Bourdain. He's <laughs> not a fan of Fleet Week. <laughs> no, I, I well, not. I mean, <laughs> not in the sense that you would, no, <laughs> you no. and I would be. You know, he wouldn't be out there trolling for dick. No, no, he certainly would not. No. But I bet he would definitely <laughs> buy him a couple beers or something. Oh yeah, for, for sure. sure. My favorite thing about Anthony Bourdain is that it, although it was about the food, it never was about the food. Right. You I know? know. I know. It was it this was whole really, yeah. sense of like bringing people together mm-hmm. over the meal. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it was about the food and these local spots, but it was about connecting. Right. It was all about the connection. Well, it's interesting that last week was our immigrant, supporting immigrant-run restaurants, and that was, I think, Anthony Bourdain's total MO, was to support immigrant-run. He was a huge advocate for restaurants with back of house, you know, back of house, front of house, all immigrants, like, but, but especially like what you're saying, it wasn't really about the food. It really focused on the travel, and it focused on 
the communities that are in these places um, that are brought together, and then you have a meal. Like, my favorite part of um, his show was when he would go to a, a local's house and eat. And he was always just so genuine and so, just so kind and, and was a huge, huge advocate for saying, like, go travel and eat with the locals. Talk to the locals. Go to their grandma's house. Eat, exactly. Eat, you know. I actually just um, started to rewatch some parts unknown just to, like, kind of re, re-familiarize myself. Because unlike you, I'm not, like, crazy... Mm. Crazy. I wasn't a huge crazy like Bourdain fan, mm-hmm. like a fan indeed. But he goes to David Cho's mother's house when they're talking about Koreatown oh, yeah. in LA. Yeah. And this woman making all that food <laughs> and being real crazy with him. I was like, Yes, I loved that. I that was one of my favorite kind of moments of like him being in the house. And then David Cho takes him of all places to Sizzler. But that's what's so fucking awesome. That was the best part about Bourdain is that he can eat at the finest restaurants in the world. But then at the end of the day, I think he just wants a great papaya's like hot dog. Yeah. Um, This uh, I found a bunch of quotes that I'm going to keep bringing Mm -hmm. up throughout this thing. And this one is from his book, Medium Raw, A Bloody Valentine to the World of Food and the People Who Cook. If you're 22, physically fit, hungry to learn and be better, I urge you to travel as far and as widely as possible. Sleep on floors if you have to. Find out how other people live and eat and cook. Learn from them wherever you go. Mm. That is my traveling M.O. Yeah. Way before I even read this quote. Yeah. It's like, that's why I travel alone a lot. Mm. It's because you're forced to, and we talked about this with Simone, Mm -hmm. you're forced to, like... Go out and meet the locals and talk to people and and it just renews your your faith in humanity. Every time yeah. you travel and and leave, I mean, I've only left the country a couple of times, but every time I leave, it's like I'm I'm grateful for this world that we live in. I'm grateful for the the people on this planet, and then I'm really thankful that I can come home and and all the luxuries of my life. And I'm not a rich person at, by all means. You're not. But, and, <laughs> Got two thousand dollars, yo. Yeah, that's who. That's who's paying my rent. That's who's paying my rent. But it just makes me thankful for you know. I I haven't been to India, but um, my sister has been lucky to go twice, and and she has said that those people, some of the people that she has met over there, they may not have anything possession wise. Like they live in a shack, and they are some of the the happiest people on the planet. So those life lessons that you learn while you travel you know you take them back and and realize like oh wait i may not be in my career where i want to be but i you know that's the stuff that gets me super depressed all the time but i am so thankful for this i have an incredible family i have a great apartment that they've tried to kick me out of several times but i'm holding my ground Mm -hmm. and i and i have have a great podcast yes i have a great you know no um my uh, i just thought of this right now but my like ultimate bourdain experience i think was Two years ago, I wanted to be on the Eiffel Tower for my birthday. My birthday falls the week after New Year's, so I kind of hate my birthday in the sense that n- everybody's an asshole on my birthday. <laughs> no one wants to go out. No one wants to do anything because right. it's right after New Year's. So I went alone to Paris, right? I kind of knew somebody there who I was staying with, but he had to work, so on and so forth. The French gays aren't the friendliest people. Oh, like, really? They No, they're just not the friendliest people. Like, hmm. you can't just go up to them in the bar and... Be like, oh, you know, (laughs) it it don't work. They look at you real crazy. Mm -hmm. So somebody I had met 
um, came out for a drink with me and then introduced me to like his like kind of group of friends and then he left me there with them. <laughs> These guys took me here, took me there, took me oh. everywhere. It was a blast. And then the next day they were like, oh, we're having our back from holiday party at so-and-so's apartment. You have to come. These men barely spoke English, but I was like, yeah, sure. I traveled deep into Paris someplace, didn't know where the fuck I was going, up an elevator into someone's like big Paris apartment. Oh, that's fun. Oh my God. Everyone was speaking French and they were like, oh, we have to speak English. Michael's here. And I was like, no, speak French. Like, do what you do. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, I'm along I'm for the ride. The I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll figure it out. And I sure <laughs> as hell did. And so then come to find out it was two other people's birthdays. And so they brought out two galette de rose for them, one for each. And uh -huh. then they brought out a third one for me. What? Complete yeah. strangers. Complete strangers. Yeah. And there was like a spread of food uh, and then all the things. That and is so cool. I don't think of it. We do that in America. No. We don't meet somebody from another country and it's like, come on over to our house and celebrate. And we don't do that. No. No. <sighs> like, isn't that insane? But it was... it. It was the best and renewed because I love Paris is stunning. Paris is absolutely beautiful. I, I didn't really love like, I don't know, like I just didn't have like a good people experience there until actually, like, yeah, until like my last days there. Yeah, so I met these guys and they kind of took me under their wing and like they showed me like local Paris. And I was mm. like, oh, yeah, this is it. You have to know the right people. But, you know, unlike when I went to like Berlin and I met all sorts of people and, like, they were taking me everywhere. Every day was somebody new. Were you by new. yourself in yeah. Berlin? Oh, wow. Mm. Well, I think because of Bourdain several years ago, my first big trip. So the first time I left the country uh, was in college. I went to Belize. And it was with, like, my church group, my college church group, where we went and, like, worked at a school. And, but sang, it was in and sang hymns. And sang hymns and, you know, Handed that sort out of rosaries thing. and Bibles. <laughs> No, actually, it wasn't. We didn't really include God, thankfully, in that mission trip. We just okay. like hung out and built the church and school and read mm -hmm. books to the kids and stuff. Also, for a week, we went to an island. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for you're still, God, you're still a virgin <laughs> if you do it up the butt. Yeah, back then. <laughs> um, and then I went. I was able. I went to Costa Rica a couple years ago. And then, but finally, like uh, my big huge trip, and I was inspired by Bourdain was to go to Thailand, and. I like set a fair alert and was like, oh my God, I can't afford to go to Thailand. This is crazy. I got a fucking fair alert for $385 round trip to Bangkok. So immediately I called Jeremy and Dana, my two friends that I went with. We got all on the computer. I bought the wrong fucking date. I had to call and like, you know, I put the wrong name or something. Of course I fucked oh. it up and had to redo it. But we were all able to get this like cheap ass flight to go to Bangkok, and we only planned the first four days of a two-week thing just because it was just like, well, let's. what would Bourdain do? Like, he would just wing it. And yeah. then Jeremy wouldn't come with us, but me and uh, Dana, we went into the jungle, um, the Kawasak National Forest, and stayed in, like, a hut for two nights. <laughs> I got really, really sick after that, but that's fine. I think I brushed my teeth with some creek water, but oh. don't do that. <laughs> Bourdain. <laughs> Creek water is my favorite. <laughs> no, but. I also watched the episode. Actually, I also saw the Columbia episode. This is all season one, I think, uh, Parts Unknown. Um, and I just had gone to Columbia for the first time last year. I took my mother because my, oh, my, my mother's never really left the country. 
And oh, so took her to Colombia. Took her to Bogota. Oh. oh, and he was going. He went to some places that I had went. Mm. Um, yeah, that's a and point. it was. It, I was just going back down memory lane Ugh. with that whole thing, and then he was like way up north in Colombia on the border of Venezuela, Colombia, and he was riding um, what do you call those? A little a mule? No, those oh. little four wheeler. Oh yeah, and he fell. And he fell off and like hit his head. Yeah, that was yeah. scary. Yeah, I was like, you guys, don't do that with my man. It's hysterical. Yeah. Another great quote: "Travel changes you as you move through this life." And this world, you change things slightly. You leave marks behind, however small. And in return, life and travel leaves marks on you. Most of the time, those marks on your body or on your heart are beautiful. Often, though, they are hurt. They hurt. Mm. Mm. It's like when that man in Barcelona did those things. Oh, no. Oh, Never that mind. Hurt? Nope. It hurt a little? Still got that mark. Still have that scar. <laughs> Stings every time I sit down. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I think it's really cool um, to watch the episode. Like, I watched Paris. At the, you know, he has a, a couple different Paris episodes. Um, for no Reservation and Layover and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But watching, I watched everything I could get my hands on that Bourdain had talked about with Paris. Looked to see where he had gone. He actually went to this little croissant uh, a little croissant bakery. A bakery, that's what they call it in France, uh-huh. <laughs> in Paris. But I went there for two mornings in a row um, when I was in Paris. It was right by my house, and also I just felt comfortable. The first day they yelled at me because I wanted a coffee to go, which is a big no-no in nope. Paris. Why didn't anybody tell me that? Nope, can't get I was coffee like, to I'll go. just take it to go. And so they were like, oh, 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 sit down. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I was so like... And they were very sweet, but yelled at me. It not. happened to me. That happened to me in Ibiza too. Oh. I was running. I was running late uh-huh. to meet these people I met, and I was like, "Oh, I'll just get some coffee to go." And I was like, "And I speak Spanish." And I was like, "Para llevar, para llevar." And they were like, "What? No, no, no. We don't do that. <laughs> we don't do that. We yeah, don't I do that." Just very they American. found some like weird cup that they gave me and threw it in there. It was a hot mess. Oh man! I was like. Oh, it's this so, is terrible. Coffee is different in every country. Like, yeah. I had a hard time. It was a, a flat white. Is mm-hmm. that what that? Yeah. That I had to figure out to order. And then it came in a bowl in, in at this place that yeah. Bourdain said to go to. But then I went back again the next day because I was like, Marie, you are not going to take this line down. Like, you're going to go in there and you're going to order your cof- your cafe a latte. <laughs> That was my extent of um, French. But I went back a second day, and um, it was funny, though. I I fucked up again because I ordered a a hard-boiled egg. um, Oh, no, a poached egg on a salad or something, and then it was just a hard-boiled egg but in a square. It was delicious, but I was like, what did I order? I messed up again. But anyway, he said to go there. And, um, yeah, I just, continuing on, like, traveling the world, I will always just watch the episode of where he's going, where he had gone, and then take it to heart because that man really knew the good places. He did, right? Um, he did a bunch of episodes about New York I was reading, and one of the places he did went to up in the Bronx oh! is a place called Cuchifritos, which there's one, I think the original one, if it's the same people who own it, mm. are is on 116th Street in Lex. And I've been oh. going there since I could walk. Oh, really? Essentially, yes. Because, I was wondering if you'd been there. Because my, the guy who owns it, or owned it, I don't know who owns it now, um, is from the same town my father is from mm. in Puerto Rico, and they knew each other. Oh, really? So we would go there all the time. We have to go, Marie. It mm. is delicious. Ooh. 
yum. Oh my god. The rotisserie chicken and the mofongo. Mofongo is is you know have you ever had mofongo? I actually haven't, but I know what it is. Yeah, so it's plantains that are like kind of fried and mashed into um a mortar and pestle so they come out in this shape and usually there's like fried pork in it or sometimes there's seafood in it and then Ooh. they serve it with moho um which is basically just um crushed garlic and oil mm. and it's delicious Yum. and some hot sauce oh let's raise our beer to that yes mm. Clink. oh my goodness um, you put some really interesting facts in here about yeah, Mr. We Bourdain. A, we got a document. I here. know. Yes. Right? Like, who knew he worked at the Rainbow Room? I'm dying to go at the, to the Rainbow Room I've for never brunch. Been either. Yeah, but who can afford that $150 mm. brunch? Oh, it's $150. It's something like that. It's oh, something ridiculous. Shit. It's well, expensive. once our once our podcast pops, <laughs> you know, we'll be making the the big bucks. So much money from a podcast. Yeah. You know? So Bourdain, I was just curious. Like, so. I guess he was born in New York City, but raised in New Jersey. His dad was in the music business. His mom was a copy editor at the New York Times. So I guess entertainment world was somewhat in, in his, his life. Um, I guess when he was younger, him they took a family trip to France. And he talks about how that was such a pivotal moment in his life, like the first time he had an oyster. Uh, I guess somebody had, like plucked it from the sea and given it to him, and he... He just had a fine palate. Have you ever been to a place like that, P.S.? There's um, in Uh -uh. Key West. In Key West, there was like a place that would just literally like reach over and pluck things out of the sea. Oh, really? Oh, my God. It's delicious. I got to touch my titties about it. One of my favorite episodes um, from Parts Unknown. I can't remember where they were visiting. Write us. Maybe it was Brittany. Myanmar. Uh, But somebody, he had like a diver dive in and get... Sea urchins. Oh, yeah, I saw that episode. I think it's Brittany. Yes, I um, forget. Um, but I remember, because uh, weren't they in Italy? They were someplace. Or, I can't remember. You guys, this is terrible. I should yeah. know. But they had the guy, like, just bring it right to him, the sea urchin, and they yeah. cut the top, and then they were just, he was just eating it with the spoon. And that, uh, he, he, he was just a man, looked He was so a man after my own heart, because he loved to eat warthog buttholes. <laughs> Bourdain did. Yeah. <laughs> And I was he like, didn't well. anything. I love too when like, well, you know, he'd be eating some fancy ass thing, and he's like, "It's good, yeah, yeah it's, it's good, fine. it's fine." He was the first like punk chef. He really made it. Kitchen Confidential made it like cool and badass to be a cook. Yeah, it's. I mean, <laughs> you disagree? <laughs> no, for sure. I uh, that's like a thought I'm now processing, but. It's the sense of, I think we as Americans are a little, of like, I grew up in a Puerto Rican household, so, like, I eat a lot of brown food, like, things that don't necessarily look mm. the most, like, beautifully presented. It's just, like, right. Right. this bowl of brown, right? But that's mm-hmm. delicious. And I think that seeing Bourdain, uh, like, work his way through the world and have these, like, stews and soups and salads and oh, things yeah. that just don't necessarily look. Very appetizing, but all these cultures and bringing that like kind of mm-hmm. opened a lot of people's eyes 
especially here in America, to like yeah. things like that, you know? Well, he always would um, eat something like gelatinous or like anything with like a weird um, texture. He'd always, like in other countries, he would eat this and be like, yeah, Americans would not appreciate this because we are so afraid of this weird texture and yeah, like I, liver. And, I don't um, understand. That's another thing. I don't understand people. I know a lot of people who have textural eating problems. Yeah, like, and I don't, I don't understand yeah. how that works. I love when my he, brain. he always would eat tripe, which is the stomach yeah. lining, mm-hmm. which is a lot of people are like, oh, gross. But yeah, it's delicious. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We really mm. lost a good one, guys. The kids don't even like that Bourdain is gone. <laughs> the children are angry. The they children. haven't eaten since Friday. They're, no, they're fasting. Yeah. They're they on a hunger are strike. fasting. No, but yeah, he... Um, he worked all over this town. I found that he had worked at the mm-hmm. Rainbow Room. He worked the buffet. Holla. Holla we, for we the buffet. He was the sous chef at WPA, which I don't know what that is, but in Soho. He worked at Chuck's, Chuck Howard's in the theater district. I don't think that exists anymore. I don't think a lot of these <laughs> exist anymore. Nikki and Kelly on the Upper West Side. Gianni's, a uh, tourist trap. Yeah, I don't think that, because they tore down that South Street Seaport. Supper Club. That's still around. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked there. Oh, God, guys. But I think that the fascinating thing about him is that he didn't really get his start until his mid, mid-40s. mid So there's still hope for us. There is. <laughs> well, more for me than you. But Oh, shut up. Anyways, anyway, guys. I'm a baby. <laughs> today, today is all about, if you're just tuning in, today is all about Anthony Bourdain and our love for him. Um, another quote, your body is not a temple. It's an amusement park. Enjoy the ride. Yeah. That's the way I treat my body. <laughs> if I had a dime for every man that enjoyed this ride. Oh, my Lord. It was too easy. Come on. <laughs> Come on, guys. Oh. Nothing. Nothing from nobody. No, that was up oh, the kids. The oh, kids. The kids they just it. want food, though. <laughs> well, I, I read that. Um, so he was really against like celebrity chefs, like he would always make fun of Emeril or Bobby Flay. I wonder what his thoughts on were of uh, on Paula Dean. <laughs> but um he really worked I mean, I don't even know if he worked really hard at this. It, it was just really just him uh doing what he wanted. But when he was pitching his T V show, I found that he said like I travel around the world, I eat a lot of shit and basically do whatever the fuck I want. And that's that formula has proved successful <laughs> and and i guess uh i was reading also for our, um on the travel channel a lot of people come in there and pitch like i want to be the next tony of of um of the art world i want to be the next tony of um of music whenever it's like no but no, there's there that formula only works for for anthony bourdain because mm-hmm. there's there's is no formula it's just and he would write I didn't know he wrote all the voiceover stuff too and all the shows, but that's he he would write all well, that stuff. I was thinking about that last night because I was like, um, I think after the Columbia episode, I was just like, oh, this voiceover is very like specific. Oh, it's and very, very specific and very him. And every episode is a different theme. Mm-hmm. The um, Italy one uh, that they film in black and white because he had such a love for cinema for cinema and um, and music too. He would even. Uh, work on the soundtrack. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. He would really curate everything. And when they had Obama, he like, um, what they had um, a certain song that he wanted. He was like, I don't care how much we pay. This is Obama. And they're like, we can't afford it. No, no. 
we can't afford it. I don't know who's paying for it, but they can pay for it. I yeah. love that. In an episode last night, he goes, Creed is the worst band <laughs> ever to exist. And I <sighs> died. And once again, I keep going back to that Columbia episode because I just really love fucking Columbia. You have to go. Yeah, um, I'd love it's to so go. great. I want the coffee. It's beautiful. Um, but he uh, did this whole thing uh, with the musicians because there's a specific uh, type of music that comes out of Colombia called cumbia, mm. where they took all the old uh, cumbia masters and mm. paired them with like the young generation. <coughs> oh, Sorry. wow. The beer, the beer's really that set one. in, Marie. That was for Tony. That was from her vagina. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you. It's you were fine. saying, but no, they took the old, the old cumbia masters and paired them with like the younger generation of um, people making this music mm-hmm. to make new music to like learn mm-hmm. like different perspectives and whatnot. And it was really, really cool. There was a whole segment about it um, oh. in the Columbia episode. Ugh. Another one of my favorite episodes is the Detroit episode. Um, he goes and really he he just celebrates this town. That has like the automobile industry has left it for sure. Mm-hmm. And you think of Detroit of this like boarded up town with nothing left, you know, it was thriving way back when and now it's nothing. But he that episode is so awesome that it, it highlights kind of the old Detroit, but then also where it's headed, especially in the culinary world and all these um, pop up uh, uh, restaurants that they do and all these really badass. Uh, punk rock chefs that are in Detroit. A lot of chefs, um, when they were making that episode, I think uh, they uh, he was talking about how a lot of chefs are studying in New York and L.A. and then going back to Detroit and trying to kind of save the city through through food. Yeah. So that was a great. That's a great episode. What There's else? So Nashville. Many, there are so many. <laughs> Nashville. Um, he. I could not fucking believe this. He got Margot Price, who is one of my favorite country singers right now. Uh, she's my age. She's doing great. Uh, he, and she, she was on the show when they went to Nashville last year. And it, and it really, it was such a great episode because it included his love for music. And obviously Nashville, you can't do an episode without, without the country music. But he brought her along and she was, she was just awesome. She's my biggest music crush right now. Oh, I thought you were going to say, she's my biggest fan. She's my biggest fan. I was like, she oh. She might know who I am. I, just, I stalk her enough on Instagram. <laughs> who don't we stalk between <laughs> Frank Pinello? Oh, man. I caught a glimpse of Frank Pinello's Instagram story. Oh, he I was with you were gonna, a girl. I thought you were going to say, caught a glimpse of Frank Pinello's penis. Oh, I wish. You know? No, but he. I think he has a girlfriend now. Uh, she looked... The grub father has a girlfriend, too, now. Who? Why? I saw her. Really? Yeah. She's so probably, she really like. She's, she's cute. Yeah. She's very cute. You know? Is she um, uh, from Staten Island? Maybe. <laughs> Long Island, maybe. Long Island. That's where, that's where he from. is. Yeah. Well, you know what I think Anthony Bourdain would really love oh that God. you and I do? <gasps> Food <gasps> News <gasps> Update! <laughs> IHOP becomes IHOB. What's wrong with you? <laughs> no, I didn't have a stroke. Nope. IHOP is now changing its name to IHOB. IHOB. Oh, what like the... International House of Breakfast. Uh, or bacon. Or uh, buttholes. But... 
<laughs> that, that would get you a calling. Uh, no, that's right. I'd I'd be general manager of that. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I hob. Yeah. Uh, hashtag me too. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> no. Guess what the B really is. It's not breakfast. No, burgers. Since when does I hop? I hob make breakfast. I mean burgers. Since 1958, actually. Oh. <laughs> well, didn't know we broke out the historian hat. Oh, yep, it's on. Oh, ding, okay. Ding, ding. All right. <laughs> Educate no, they... the children. <laughs> that's why. That's why I'm like, girl, you've been making burgers this whole time, and you're just now saying, okay, we're gonna switch it to the B. So what burgers. happened to the Rudy Tooty Fresh and Foodie? <laughs> it's still there. All that stuff is still there. But we're gonna focus on the burgers. Yeah, they're trying. Okay, so here's the deal: they're trying to widen their audience. <laughs> How much bigger of an audience do you have? You well, do one. You have one job, IHOP, <laughs> and that's to make pancakes and eggs, and that's what people go there that's for. That's true. That's true. They got the skillet things too. That's kind of nice. Or yeah. is that Denny's? I don't know. Uh, no, but they uh, they do. They, International they have House of Pancakes. International House of Burgers. Are you kidding me? No. Anyway, their their purpose. Their their spokesperson said that actually this is not a permanent thing, guys. So don't freak out completely. Although I think the internet has completely lost its mind because of this. Um, but they said it's not a permanent thing. They're just trying to expand their audience and and try to get people not only there for breakfast. But for lunch and dinner. Uh, but who doesn't love breakfast for dinner? I know. Or Just breakfast stick for with lunch. It. Just stick with it. You know it. what this is? This was a PR fucking yes. stunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely. You know, to get us talking about it. And you know what I have to I have one thing to say. Boo! Boo! Wait, but everybody's throwing shade now, of course, on Twitter at, at IHOP. But my favorite one is somebody tweeted, so Wendy's. You just gonna let IHOB sell burgers on your block? Thought you were the OG? Question mark. <laughs> and then Wendy's right, types back on Twitter. Not really afraid of the burgers from a place that decided pancakes were too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that Wendy. I, I, I whoever's don't, tweeting for them. Come on, I tweeted at them and they never. I they didn't respond. I am obsessed. I am obsessed. Anywho. Wait. Oh, and what a burger. I love Whataburger. I know. But they tweeted, as much as we love our pancakes, we'd never change our name to What a Pancake. <laughs> like, all right, Whataburger. You need all to right. get the guy from Wendy's I know. or girl from Wendy's to, to tweet for you. Anyway. <laughs> Domino's Pizza is now paving potholes to reduce pizza jostling. So what? <laughs> I've heard of jostling like a nutsack. <laughs> but I don't really know what pizza jostling Wait, is. pizza jostling? They're well, worried that their drivers are slipping and sliding. Slipping and sliding are like hitting a pothole and there goes your pizza out the window. <laughs> well, according to Munchies, um, you know, Domino's Pizza is now addressing America's crumbling infrastructure and has taken it upon itself, true story, according to Munchies here, to repairing potholes. Because why not, they say. So the, co the company is calling this initiative Paving for Pizza, and it has already fixed more than 200 potholes in four U.S. cities, all so its pizza can be delivered to its customers without being unnecessarily jostled. Well, thank you. 
Well, thank you, Domino's. Thank you, Domino's. Your pizza still tastes like cardboard. Right, sidewalk or, or the potholes themselves. But no, <laughs> I don't know. I don't get why people love Domino's. I'd rather have a Papa John's. Oh, I love Papa John's. I'd so use that much. garlic butter as a lube. Oh, my God. I I'm so hungry. I like Little Caesars, too. Little, oh, pizza, pizza. Yeah. I, I even like the Ronos. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> well, have another sip of your beer. Okay. <laughs> mm. Well, you know what? Um, this picture here that Munchie's posted is the Domino's logo, and it's spray-painted on the pothole that they fixed <laughs> with, uh, oh, yes, we did. Which oh I think is great. You know God. what? Good for them. Good on them. Is it in every city or just a couple No, it just said four. I don't know. I, I, I lost interest after. <laughs> after Domino's like, fixing America's infrastructure. Hey, you know, you know someone should. Someone should. Yeah, if you it's know. Domino's, it's going to do it. Hey, we got a bridge. Yep, honk if you love Domino's. <laughs> Oh, my God. Ridiculous. But thanks, Domino's. Animal rights group hosts vigil for chicken killed in truck crash. Wait. <laughs> I, need you to, I need you to slow down and read that one again to me because I really need to fully comprehend this. I mean, it takes a minute. Uh, animal rights group hosts vigil for chicken killed in truck crash. Was this a special chicken? <laughs> like, um, did this nope. chicken save lives? Nope. Uh, it's just a, it was a chicken. Uh, it was actually, there was a tractor trailer. That, okay. I mean, this is the sad part of, like, the P- Purdue. It was on the way to Purdue. Uh, we all know Purdue Farms. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. um, when this tractor trailer crashed. Okay. Like, a horrendous crash. All right. And all like there were just dead chickens everywhere. All righty. Um, Did the driver survive? The driver was okay. Okay. Well, thank I think heavens. Almost all of the chickens were killed. Um, right. I mean, but they could have been. They were going to be killed, killed anyway. anyway. But um, but so after hearing about this this crash, members of the the Liberation Philadelphia, an animal rights organization, arrived at the scene to try to look for any survivors of the wreckage. And they said it was just a horror story. There were there were just body parts everywhere, chicken body parts everywhere. It smelled like a slaughterhouse. There was blood and guts everywhere. We were pretty sure no one was left. But there was a patch of woods where we saw something moving. And they found a chicken that Woo! was alive. And they named it June after the main character in The, in the Handmaid's Tale. Oh, my God. Who also fled captors by hiding amongst the trees. Have you been watching? Oh, my God. Sidebar. Have you all been watching The Handmaid's Tale? I'm not cut up. Um, it is probably the most intense television I have ever seen in Yeah. My life. In the 18 years I've been alive. It is insane. I wanted to watch last night, but I was too I was too busy doing my homework for Bourdain. For Bourdain, mm-hmm. yeah. But so, anyway, they named this chick in June um, because she, she fled her captors. Uh, but then she died as well. Oh. So um, they, they had taken a picture of June, and then they blew it up, and then they had a little vigil. There was eight people from the animal rights activist group, and they had a little vigil for June. Yeah. And all those other chickens that died. I mean, 
Well, justice for June. Justice for June. Hashtag. Okay. I think that's, it was trending maybe a little bit. Oh, really? <laughs> they did have, ma- like, justice for June hashtags and stuff. Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it's the circle of life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess that's fitting I mean, for what as, we're talking about. As I guess. a, as a, you know, I mean, as a meat eater, I mean, yeah, Bourdain loves some meat. Oh my God! Mm. Hello, Hello. Warthog buttholes. <laughs> Can we go back? <laughs> and and I guess the end of food <laughs> news update. Oh my God! Can you yes. tell that Munoz is still getting over this sickness? He I has know. no falsetto to oh. to give you the boobs. All oh, those bo- all those boobs were all look. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> they won't come out. Oh baby, you gotta get that that fixed. Oh, oh my god, that that, that cholera. Oh my god. Uh, take care of yourselves, y'all. It's the message. It's on trend with what we're saying. Take care of yourselves. Do you have there that phone some, number again? That it is some people? sort of like summer flu going around. Everyone I know has gotten it or is getting it. Take some vitamins. And if you're feeling down and out and you feel like you have nowhere to turn, that National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number, again, is 1-800-273-8255. Mm-hmm. All right? Pick up the phone. Call out. Yeah. Scream out. They're professionals, and they know, they're they professionals. know how to talk to you. I mean, even going as far as there's a photo of a friend of mine who took his life Mm. You know, and he was so loved. Mm-hmm. He was so loved, mm. and he didn't. Yeah, you know. Well, I think the it's so crazy with Bourdain because you do think that he had everything, but he there was a real darkness to him too. And he, through the years, had talked about his suicidal thoughts, especially after him and his first wife um, got divorced. They were together, I think, for twenty years, and it was I guess they divorced um, right as his success was really blossoming. But, um, yeah, he, he struggled with these demons, I think, not just recently, but throughout, throughout his life. I don't know. There's, there's, <sighs> where, there's help out there. There's help, and that's all I can say because I don't... Yeah, you're I, not a professional. I'm not a professional, and, yeah. I, and I mean, we all have our ups and downs, and Jesus, yeah. and I mean, like, yeah. it's just, you got to pull through. Yeah. You got to pull through because someone out there needs you. Mm-hmm. Someone out there needs you. Yeah. You know? Uh, like, I wouldn't know what to do without you, Marie. I wouldn't know what to do without you either. I mean, what, yeah. Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? <laughs> well, you know what? I, through the years, I'm not the most spiritual or religious person, but I love the idea of reincarnation. I love that idea. I do, too. My grandmother always believed in that. Yeah. Um... I'm, you know, put me on that Shirley MacLaine train of like past life mm-hmm. therapy and reincarnation. Mm-hmm. And because I just love how beautiful it is from, from something we came, like from whence we came, on we go mm-hmm. is how it goes, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So from the earth to the earth and back again, <laughs> you know. Yeah, Bourdain will come back as a sea urchin. Sea urchin or something. <laughs> or something. How, how do you know? How do you now? How do you like how it feels? You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, but we those... were definitely so lucky to have him in our lifetime. Just absolutely so, so lucky. Opening um, our eyes just to the conversations, like the conversations of 
like like again, I can't stress enough how yes, it was about the food, but it was a, it was the coming together around the food and what happened, and what happened there. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I was rewatching. I guess what was the first season of uh, Parts Unknown. And this whole L.A. one about Koreatown was really about the L.A. riots and how Koreatown survived through it. Mm -hmm. and how It burnt to the ground. Yeah, but these uh, these shop owners were out there with guns because the police weren't doing anything, right? right? The police were up in Bel Air protecting the rich folk. Right, right. Right? They they could care less about Koreatown. Yeah. Well, I wanted to read, um, this is what Obama tweeted uh, after he learned about um, Bourdain's death. Uh, he said, he taught us about food, but more importantly, about its ability to bring us together, to make us a little less afraid of the unknown. I'm so sad. I know. What? A, I mean, we're getting so serious here <laughs> on In Your Mouth. So we promise you that the next episode, we yes, had a really good episode planned. A really saucy a one. one. But we could not. We not. could not. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't. We couldn't be who we are and be food people and whatnot without actually addressing this and talking about Mr. Bourdain and, you know, really honoring him today and honoring his spirit and his life. And he just makes, he always made me feel like a normal person and, and working in the kitchens and, and doing what we do for however long we have been doing it. Um, Which has been really long. <laughs> it's really, really long. It's been long. Yeah, as I worked this morning. Uh, and all, I'm going to work tonight. Right. And all of my guys were speaking Spanish. And I just just being in that world, I love it. I really love it. And I love the people that I work with. And I, you know, sometimes the clients are absolute assholes. But the people that I work with at the places that I do are, are awesome. They're incredible. We, I mean, we met uh, 12 years ago. I mean, yeah. And or 13. 13, 18. yeah. <laughs> 42. Four, hey, I'm not in my 40s, girl. Well, all right. Shut uh, up! I hate you! <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cough it up, that cholera. <laughs> that cholera, this cough will not go away. I, I like downed, yes, Robitussin and beer. Please don't mix drugs and beer yeah, and liquor. Now. Yeah, please. I was like, here, let me take some Robitussin. Uh, P.S., <laughs> I just said to Marie, um, do you all like the taste of Robitussin? And I mean old school Robitussin. <laughs> Sugar-free, doesn't taste like Dimetap. No. Oh, I love it. That, like, cough medicine taste. Oh. Oh, yeah. Why are you bringing this up? Huh? Because I just took a big swig (laughs) to make me stop coughing, and apparently it didn't work. (laughs) Well, I think everybody, um, after you listen to this pod, this episode, I think everyone should should Google um, Anthony Bourdain's article that he wrote. It was his first one that that was published in The New Yorker. It's called Don't Eat Before Reading This. And it was what in influenced um, the kitchen confidential, confid- yeah, kitchen confidential, confidential, yeah. um, and then it really, you know, snowballed the rest of his career. But this, I reread this article, um, and it's it's just Bourdain to like the fullest because he was young. I mean, young. He was forty four or whatever. I don't know. Um, and it really is the article that kind of got him started in this food. Food world, but also he had two crime novels right before that he that he had already published, and then he had a third one in two thousand one that came out. So oh. I got I got some homework to do. I'm going to read his crime Cry. novels now. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah, but uh, they all kind the... of like hap- ha- what I've been uh, what I read that it like all takes place in like restaurants and the way that he describes the restaurants and the food and stuff. That's how people were like, you know, you should you should start writing like about 
food. About food. About travel. Something you know. Sort of like yeah. food. Yeah. You know? So, I don't know. I'm, I, after this, I, I'm going to I've written go. six romance novels. <laughs> I saw the oldest woman on the train reading a Danielle Steele today, oh and I want, I tried to take a picture to show you. But I, got, I have a Jackie Collins up there. She signed it for me. Oh. Uh, it a rest in peace, oh. Jackie Collins. Yeah. Oh. You're missed, too. She was fabulous. She just died. So she, mm-hmm. didn't, she didn't do anything crazy. Yeah. You know? Well, oh, my this, God. So many great people. Oh, how depressing. I know. Well, after this, I'm going to go down um, to his restaurant. That's no more. It closed last year, but... Um, I'm gonna. They, I guess that there's a little memorial there with um, with things. So yes. I'm gonna go. Um, and I need to go down because today also marks two years of Orlando, the Pulse shooting. Oh, really? So, today? Yes. I want to go down to Stonewall oh, and yeah, uh, Stonewall. pay a little tribute before I go to work because that was. You know why is the world so crazy today? What's it all about, Schmitty? <laughs> I don't know. Is the end near? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No, but guys. I, I was reading this other article about like what, and this was even before my research into Anthony Bourdain stuff, but it was just for me personally, but it, I was reading about happiness and what, what brings joy to a person's life. Material objects do not. It is family and friends and uh, love, really. Yeah. So I, I think some goal that I'm really going to try moving forward is that I've found myself whenever I get on social media especially Instagram (laughs) I start immediately comparing my life to others and I get really really depressed Uh, there's that girl yeah yeah, there's a girl getting rid of people like that on my Instagram do you do you just unfollow them or unfollow yeah I just unfollow it's the and this it's it's hard being a homosexual sometimes well a lot of the time um especially depending where you live but we live in this society um everybody women Everybody where it's like the Kim Kardashians and you have to look like this and right. so on and so forth. And I think it's amplified a lot in the gay community, in the LGBT community, mm-hmm. that it's like, oh, well, if you don't have a six pack and you don't have pecs oh, and you I'm don't sure. look like this and you're not like so on and so forth. And so you follow all these beautiful people. But then all of a sudden you I started to realize, wow, I feel really bad about myself. Right. And no, I don't want a six pack. I've had a six pack. A, it's hard to maintain. B, I love to eat. And D, it didn't get me any more dick or ass. <laughs> without one hello with or without one so so yeah i i'm i'm with you on that but i really do think it's something with our technology is leading us in a really bad place so uh, oh lord and meanwhile here as as we sit here recording a podcast yeah gonna tweet it out yes uh, tweet it out and instagram balance there has to be a balance for sure i was just I was just in the mountains with my family this weekend, and I kept my phone in the other room. That's what I just did in hanging out. Yeah, it's so. Yeah, I was kind of inspired by you to just like just let it be. Throw the phone. Yeah. In the room. Yeah. And leave it there. Right. And the best thing about it was, the few times that I brought my phone out to like, oh, uh, oh fuck, I didn't tell Marie I was going off the grid, mm-hmm. right? And she's like, where the fuck are you? Um, and I was on my phone. The guys at the guest house were like, "Put your phone down. You're no fun." Right. And it, I literally was on it two seconds, and I'd be like, "I know, I know. I'm just, I just have right. to respond to something really quick and yeah. go, so people know I'm alive and well." Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's life changing, and I think that's what this year has been about. And that's actually what that trip was about. Like, for me personally, was changing to make myself happy, changing to do. That's why I kind of left the 
place I work, you know, right. and started a new venture right. and trying to find new work and try also, to do to do stuff for me yeah. to do what makes me happy. Right. You well, know, that's a good that's a good thing, because I feel like you you were pretty depressed about where you were last year and thankfully Miserable. you have set, yeah i was not a nice person <laughs> well i love this new, yes. new munoz but but it was because i really do think it was because your friends um and, and i mean i hope you don't mind me saying but you started going to therapy as well but yeah it was people that were like michael what do you want and then you were able to say okay i'm not happy once you admit that i am not happy in this place what can you do to change it yeah, and, and it's, it's it's these baby steps, yeah, but you are the key to your own happiness. Yeah, and that's and that's the that's the GD truth, honey. <laughs> that's right, honey. That is that Aww. is well. I want to kind of end the pod here with yeah. my favorite quote that I found. Oh uh, yay! It's from, gonna make me cry again. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so here it goes. He says, "Maybe that's enlightenment enough." To know that there is no final resting place of the mind, no moment of smug clarity, perhaps wisdom, is realizing how small I am and unwise and how far I have yet to go. I love that. Isn't that great? God, that is so, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God, guys. Anywho. We love you guys so much. Thanks for listening. Yeah. I love you, Marie. I love you too, baby. All right, and don't forget... To call out, scream out, call a friend, do whatever you need to to get. There are programs out there there to find therapists. I loved my therapist before she dumped me to move to Portland. <laughs> they always leave. <laughs> they always leave. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> but that uh, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline again is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. Call them. They're the experts. We're not. We're just here to entertain you. Yeah. We love y'all. I love you, Marie. I love you, too. And I really hope that this, uh, you know, inspires you to travel and just to get out to go there. eat some weird food, drink a cold one in honor of Bourdain. Bourdain that's right. Know? And she don't drink beer, honey. Uh, I'm <laughs> here know, having this beer. I having a beer. Blood, right? <laughs> go poop it out in a minute. <laughs> Lord. Oh, I love you. I'm crying again. I can't help it. This has been a very emotional time. I know. <laughs> not to make it about me. I hate that so many people have made the it's Bourdain It's not thing all out. about you, Heather. I know. But I have to say, like, out of all my culinary heroes, Bourdain was definitely, like, I just really, really admired him. Read his books. They're so, oh, God, they're so cool. Anyway, I'm going to stop it. crying. I, I, love we don't, I love that we simply <laughs> just don't know how to say goodbye. I know. So All with right. that, we're going to thank you for, <laughs> for listening, listening to, to In Yo Mouth.